Welcome to the Fun Engagement Pod from Fun Insights, bringing you insights straight from the experts. You can join the Fun Engagement Network at funinsights.co.uk and we'll let you know when new episodes come out. We're also on Acast, Google, Apple and all major podcasting platforms. This stuff is the future. 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 Welcome to episode 12 of the Fan Engagement Pod. In this episode, I chat with Liam Scully, Chief Executive at Lincoln City Football Club. Liam arrived just as the club re-entered the EFL after a prolonged spell in the National League. It's worth going back to episode 4's interview with Lincoln City Chair Clive Nates, just to remind yourself of the rebuilding job that he, his colleagues and subsequently Liam Scully had to do, and how impressive it is at all levels. What is particularly standout with Liam is how thoughtful he is and just how much you get the sense that he's always learning, always trying to understand how to improve and do what he does better. He's risen gradually in football, starting as a PFA footballing community apprentice, who then moved into the operations side of club football. After applying his trade at Doncaster Rovers, he was chosen by Lincoln City to run the club. He works on the basis of four pillars in a football club. If you can get the first three and the final one falls into place, the playing side, you've hit the sweet spot. Those are fans and first team management uh, relationship, strong in fan engagement and two-way dialogue between fans and club, club management off-pitch and fans and on-the-pitch success. He also points out that fans don't want to win at all costs, winning with integrity matters more than you might think, and that fans appreciate that there's been a process behind a decision, even if they don't agree with the decision itself. Don't forget you can f- join the Fan Engagement Network at faninsights.co.uk forward slash network forward slash join. Well, really good to speak to you, Kevin. First of all, thank you very much for, for inviting me uh, onto this. Uh, I think, look, I've, I've always been a football fan um, and, and, and played the game. And, and as, a, as a young boy growing up in Sheffield, uh, where I was from, I, you know, I, I played football to a, a reasonably high standard, was involved in academy football. And my aim, probably like most uh, young boys was was to be a professional footballer and as I got closer to um, kind of scholarship ages and, and that point I, I, I realized that that probably wasn't gonna uh, gonna be fruitful for myself you know I, I was you know I, I thought I was reasonable but then when you get to see the very very best um, and what you're competing against I, I soon learned that that probably wasn't within my gift and wasn't within my skill set and and lucky unfortunately enough for me it was at the the time that uh, the PFA was working quite closely with football in the community at the time, and 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 yeah, I was I was lucky enough to to get an apprenticeship, um, you know, working with with football in the community as it was then um, at, at Doncaster Rovers, and you know, ever since then I've been really lucky. I've had I've had some excellent bosses and excellent mentors, um, and ultimately I, I I ended up having a total of of uh, 16 years at, at Doncaster Rovers in, in various different roles within the foundation um, and then within the football club and, and then wider club Doncaster um, as it developed into. Um, and then when Lincoln City came back into, into the Football League, uh, received a you know phone call through associates and, and ended up interviewing for the job and, and thankfully and luckily enough was was successful in getting in getting the job at, at Lincoln City just as you know there's a real resurgence and, and coming back into the football league and, and, and going you know you know uh, up the football pyramid as as you know as, as such so yeah I'm, I'm very fortunate to have, I think I've had a varied background I've, I've managed to see most departments at a football club 
um, from an operational level. Um, and hopefully, and, and I think the one thing that that does for me is it, it, it hopefully gives me at least perspective to, to know and see and feel what that, that's like, you know, having, having walked a mile in, in, in their shoes, really. Yeah, okay. Um, and when it comes to um, f- the fan engagement, which is obviously the subject of, of, this, um, of this podcast um, and this interview, uh, it, is it something, you know, moving around the industry as you do, you know, you, you meet a lot of people, I suspect you know it very well. <clears throat> um, is your background something that's quite common? Um, uh, um, you know, having worked across so many departments and, and come through, particularly, say, the foundation, which I think, although I think sometimes people mix up um, the work of a foundation, which is incredibly important as the charitable arm of the football club with fan engagement per se, but that's given you an idea, if you like, of the, of the sort of broader reach of the football club. Is that, is that something you found happens a lot with people or are you a relatively rare commodity in, in you know, having worked across so many parts of, of football clubs? Um, I, th- I think the beauty of football and when you speak to, you know, the you know, chief executives or, or other senior leaders um, across the game, I think the, the one thing that's, that's probably beautiful and that makes up the, you know, the, the people that work in the game is that we all have real varied backgrounds. Um, and I think the one thing we are reasonably good at is collaborating and working together out, outside of, you know, Saturday between three and five o'clock, you know, we'd, we all know that, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd kick the life out of each other to get a win on a Saturday. Um, but I do think the industry as a whole is, is, is reasonably good at, at collaborating and reasonably good at, at learning and taking best practice and, and learning from e- each other. Um, obviously, the geographical spread, um, it, it sometimes makes that, that difficult. Um, but certainly, you know, a lot of the people that I'm sure you'll be talking to Kevin as part of this series and of interviews um you know there'll be people that we've we've you know regularly networked with or, or had conversations and i think you know in terms of my background and, and my experiences you know all i try to you know i certainly don't have all the answers um I'm, I'm certainly you know i learn from colleagues in in a lot of areas and and you know people like mark catlin that you you mentioned earlier and various others you know always keen to learn from from those people that have probably hold you know held the chief executive role for far longer than than i have but i just think you know my own background and my own experiences certainly will will hold me in good stead it's it's important that you know you don't forget your roots and your background and the learning that you had along that way but then equally it's important you know of learning new skills and new opportunities um you know once you do hold that 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 seat um you know within a football club because it's you know as you know the, the pressure and the responsibility on the chief executive is 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 huge you know you've, you've obviously got the financial uh, and the number one uh, objective of maintaining you know the football club in good financial health and operating safely and well but equally you know the 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 owners of the football club and, and frankly the true owners of the football club in, in terms of the fans making sure that you know you serve them serve them well and, and appropriately and that doesn't necessarily always mean giving them what they want or what they think they want but it's about making sure that there's a, a common understanding and that we're all collectively working to towards a, a singular goal the, the beauty of football is difference of opinion so you know let you know we're not trying to um create a fact that everybody is a a Lincoln City or a Liam Scully sycophant, for for example, that that's not what we're trying to do. But I think it's important that we all understand what the common goal is and understand the steps that we can take and how we can contribute to that overall journey. So, I'd be interested just to take a little um, 
segue into one of those things you one of the things you raised there he talks about what fans want or what they think they want um i have a bit of a theory about this and you you you, you might agree i don't know that <clears throat> there's a lazy phrase that gets used which is um if i sort of distill it into the fans made me do it um and you'll get people even journalists and very educated journalists people that i've worked people i know um and i have known for a long time will say, well, the trouble is the pressure that, from the fans to spend or to do this. Um, is that something that you recognise? Is it, I mean, A, obviously it is very pressured. I get that. I'm never, gonna, I'm never going to suggest that running a football club, that ignoring fans' demands at times, for example, is, is easy or managing those expectations is easy. But do you buy the idea that somehow fans can't, get it into their heads for example that there's a limited budget or that it's not easy um to balance spending uh, and performance um and and that difficult decisions do have to be made do you believe that's possible um yeah. or yeah is it, i, I, think, I think there's we've got a there's, there's two probably distinct areas here and, and i think there's a different formula almost to each area. I think when you look at the sporting context and ultimately what we're all here for, which is, you know, that green rectangle, you know, 90 minutes of football weekly or, or twice weekly in a sense. Now, I think um, at that point, that can be really difficult because we all know that, you know, a football game results, um, you know, uh, can can get decided on, on one decision, one moment in time. Um, and, I, and I think when you apply that to a sporting context, um, I think the variables are so huge and are so big that, you know, we it, it's very difficult, you know, and ultimately that's what fans pay their money for, for their tickets and, and to give opinions, you know, in relation to, to on-field activity. I think off-field activity, I think that is is where there's a lot more control. Uh, and I think there's there's that's where, you know, ultimately whether it be the price of a burger or be it, uh, you know, how the fan zone set up or things that make me, you know, are important to people. I think at that point you can never get enough information and you can never get enough sound bites because ultimately it's, it's people's feelings. It's what their experiences is are. You know, I would always, you know, just to give an example, I'd always tread with caution around, you know, listening to fans on in, in terms of a decision over a manager's, um, you know, future or their tenure. You know, they don't always know and can't always know what's going on in the background. Um, but of course, you've got to listen to that because you know, ultimately, as as the fans and the product on the field, that that's what they're there for. So I think it formulates part of the decision, but it certainly can't be the the, the totality of it. I think when it starts coming to off field, you know, ultimately, they on the whole, they are things that you can control as a as a club and as an entity. Um, and I think that's where it is really important to to listen and, and, and over communicate um, with with mm. fans. And, and when we talk about communication, that is that is two way two way dialogue. Yes, yes. What, what's quite interesting, you know, I've worked with two supporters boards now, both one at Doncaster um, and, and one at Lincoln. And um, what's what's quite interesting is whilst we sometimes make decisions that aren't necessarily the most popular by straw poll on on social media the decisions that are often made on the back of data, what do you often find when you involve the supporters board who are normally quite challenging and who are normally, you know, in place to, you know, offer that view of the fans is they actually agree 95% of the time with the club decision because within a supporters board, you can provide the data, you can provide the rationale, you can provide the thinking um, behind that. 
Um, and I'll, I'll give you a quick example of one at Lincoln. We played Sheffield Wednesday in a pre-season friendly a couple of years ago. Um, and we took a, what would be perceived as a quite a brave decision to give Sheffield Wednesday two stands. So what an area that was normally a home stand and the normal away end, because ultimately they could fill that. Now, there was a commercial decision behind that. Um, that upset some season ticket holders, but we discussed that decision with the supporters board at Lincoln prior to that decision being made. Um, and the decision in order to do that was completely unanimous. The, the data, the analytics, the, the financial gains around that and then what that money went to good use and how that would help the football club. You know, it was a, a cliche, but it was a, it was a no brainer. Um, but obviously understanding that on a wider scale and the wider fan base, you know, it, sometimes it, it's not always easy to, to kind of get mm. those, those messages across or, or to get that <clears throat> understanding. I do think, you know, that you have got to split on field and off field. Um, but, but I think as long as there are appropriate sensor checks and as long as you're, you know, you're constantly analysing and reviewing, then, then it is important you know, fun engagement and dialogue and two-way communication is critical in, in, in both areas. Mm. So, I mean, it, it, it very much reminds me there's, a, there's a, uh, more than a germ of um, similarity of a common thread between what you talk, the way you talk about it, the way that um, Doncaster, people at Doncaster talk about it, Sean, um, uh, Sean Lockwood um, there, uh, who I've spoken to quite a lot and have interviewed for this podcast, and also Ben Kensel at Norwich City. <clears throat> who I've um, who I've spoken to a bit now, who I hope to interview at some point too. There's that sense, and I think it probably is the case with a lot of clubs, and I think probably you could put in people like Portsmouth in there as well. That you're kind of, um, it's not that you mitigate the bad results with good off-field activity and good fan engagement. It's that, um, well, I mean, it, you know, that's not the reason you do it. You do it because. Um, fan engagement is central has to be the thread running through the football club and all that kind of thing the golden thread i think you call it um or you've you've called it before but it's this um yes we we're all going to get a bit antsy about results and we will have very strong debates about um, managers and whether or not they're good enough and all that kind of stuff and whether that center forward was any good and whether he can perform at this level or that level um but um if you manage the relationship well then it's not that fans won't complain about the manager not being good enough at that particular point or that result being bad it's that it doesn't kick off into something more and perhaps what happens is that in in a club where they they understand that is that it doesn't bleed into other areas and they and the fans are much less likely to go oh yeah and by the way this isn't working. And by the way, that doesn't work. And by the way, when I come on a match day, this isn't happening. And why did you promise this? And you haven't done it. So it's almost allowing yourself not to be drawn away from the central business of the football club as, you know, the entity of the football club drawn too much into the playing side. And we all end up, the problem is, is I suppose it ends up being a bit of a soap opera if you're not careful. And yeah, football results will vary, but in the end, you're kind of, I suppose, living that idea that in 10 years' time, this club's going to still be here. So we've got to make sure that the entity's running and, and yeah, the manager will do what they have to do and will support what they do, but they're going to come and go. And so it's, it's the living those values of, of, of managers come and go, players come and go, isn't it, I think? And that, seem, that seems to be the sort of trick 
Yeah, and um, chief executives come and go, owners, you know, come and come and go, you know, and that yeah. and that way, why, you know, where it goes back to the, you know, the true custodians. Yeah, of, yeah the, the constant, world, isn't it? That, that constant. Yeah. Um, and I think there's, you know, there's, there's a, a couple of bits to, to pick up on that, really. And I think that the first thing is that we are our, our model and our, our aims uh, and, and the golden thread, as, as we've, we've called it. And when we've spoken off air, Kevin, is is that we believe what we want is a club to be proud of. Now, that doesn't necessarily always mean winning football, um, but but it is one of the key cornerstones and it is part of that. And we believe there are four pillars in order to, to having a club to be proud of. And I think it's, and, and it's, you know, they all feed each other. So in isolation, these elements are no good. So, you know, you, you know, the, you know, utopia is having all four elements, you know, absolutely on the money, absolutely, you know, hitting the, uh, the sweet spot at the same time. And I think the first pillar is the relationship between the fans and the management team. Um, and, and when we say management team, that's that's the you know the on-field management team. Mm. So they might not agree with decisions that they're making. They might not agree with the centre forward that they've signed. But what the, there's got to be is there's got to be a trust in the fact that you know they're the professional in that in in that area that's chosen by the club in a thorough recruitment process, um, and therefore that they see the data, they see the what's going on, and and therefore there has got to be. Um, you know, a, a relationship between the, the, the fans and, and, the, and, and the management team. To give you two very quick examples from, from Lincoln City in, in the, you know, in the last 12 months, you know, we've had Danny and Nicky Cowley as our manager and, and, and Michael Appleton, very different personalities. You know, Danny, uh, you know, would, would, would often, you know, talk for, for a, a long period of time within the media, give lots of information, you know, be seen out, you know, uh, you know, very visible within the community with him and his, and his family. Um, but then you've got Michael, who's got a very different style, but is, is very, um, gives you very blunt, very factual information um, and, and delivers it in its way that the, the fans are, are understanding the, the full truth, you know, through, through his eyes. Very different styles, you know, both equally as effective as, as each other. Um, but ultimately, that, that's that, that bond that, that's developed there. I think the other pillar that we then look at at Lincoln City is strong fan engagement. And I think defining fan engagement, you know, can be difficult and, and it, you know, you don't want to use it, you know, as, as, as cliche. But that, that you know, two-way two -way dialogue, um, the fact that there, you know, there is an understanding between the parties that, you know, sometimes we do need to make difficult decisions. You know, sometimes we can't afford to, you know, renovate the toilets in the close season, the PA system, get a new scoreboard, you know, uh, put more pouring points within the state because it just doesn't make financial sense. But as long as fans feel in some way, shape or form consulted um, in that or involved in those decisions, then I think that that always helps. You know, they might not always agree with the outcome, but as long as they understand there's a process in place, then I think, I think that helps. I think the other pillar of, of course, is the relationship between the club and the fans, I think that's in, that's important. And a relationship, like any relationship, like a marriage, you know, it, it it needs working. It doesn't just happen. So I think you know, taking the fans for granted or just expecting their support is is a is a very shortcut to failure. And I think that's always important that that we work actually hard, not just at the stuff that we're doing, but the actual mechanics of a relationship. So we're constantly evolving, you know, reviewing the process of the supporters board at Lincoln City. We've got two fans that sit on the actual board itself through the supporters trust at the moment in time. Um, but equally, you know, we, we've got to work hard at that relationship because football is evolving. And, you know, we, we, whilst this, 
this you know interview isn't about current affairs you know it's it's during the the covid affected period and this more than ever is a, an important time to to you know reevaluate that relationship between the club and the fans and what does it need to be for this moment in time and then of course going back to that last pillar of course it's success on the pitch you know that that's ultimately you know the 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 thing that that acts as the multiplier and ultimately that we're, we're all here but what i've heard many times across many football clubs is that you know they would not want their football club to be win at all costs and what i mean by i'm not talking about whether you're going to play you know dave bassett you know route one football i'm on about the fact that you know the the often fans want a club to win but with integrity and win and win well mm -hmm. um and I, and I think it's, it's always important understanding that. And I think, you know, getting those four pillars to, to sing at the same time is, is obviously the, the challenge. Um, but, you know, for it, you know, we all know that, you know, on a, on a, on a Monday morning opening the emails, if we've won on a weekend, uh, there are considerably less complaints from the recent match day than, than if you've got beat, you know, you know, quite terribly 3-0 or something like that. That That's ultimately the, the, the facts of, of the industry. But I think if, you know, our aim is constantly managing those four pillars and constantly working together, um, you know, and, and not just assuming that because we're winning on the pitch, for example, that the relationship between mm -hmm. the fans and the club will take care of itself. You know, they all need cultivating and they all need work, you know, continuously um, and, and, you know, regularly. So um, we'll draw this drawing to a close of that. What I'd like to know is, um, is uh, what's one piece of advice to anyone? And I think, you know, in your position, we're talking about people who are, who are there having to make decisions like this day to day, chief executives, directors, owners, <clears throat> senior managers. Um, what one piece of advice, advice would you give um, to, to someone responsible for fan engagement in um, at a football well at a, a football club, I mean it can probably even apply to rugby, cricket, you know, rugby league certainly, um, uh, uh, other sports clubs. But what one piece of advice would you give? I think the one the, the one advice I'd always make is that that decisions should be made with with data to back them up, um, and then equally the fact that you know we all we all love social media but the the the, the perils that, that come with it is is often that, that noisy uh noisy minority um uh, you know and, and 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 actually the silent majority um can can often be um you know the biggest challenge in terms of understanding what 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 they want um, and how you can successfully deliver and, and and provide for for those groups so i think it's just making sure that you, decisions are made based having a true understanding of what is actually you know what is actually out there you know mm. I'm, I, I i enjoy twitter I, I love the crack with the fans uh, we we have some good debates but i'm i'm not going to sit there and be a politician and, and just say yes to to everything anybody asks i'll, I'll always try and be honest um, but one thing that i have found over the course of time um, is the fact that you know often um, opinions that that might be repeated, say on social media, aren't necessarily the view of of no. ten thousand people. And the one thing that we we always talk about internally is trying to have you know a one to one relationship with ten thousand ten thousand people. Um, and, and I think that's that's yeah. something that we um, we need to um, you know we need to 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 manage um, yeah. on, a, on an ongoing basis.